You know, we talk a lot about the destination here on RV Miles, but very rarely do we talk about the journey. And recently, we spent a weekend journeying from one campground to the other, and that may have been just as epic as the destination itself. This is RV Miles. This summer, L.L. Bean wants to help you feel great out there with gear, tips, and advice for heading outdoors and exploring all the possibilities of the season. When you're putting together your camping and hiking gear, here's a quick hack to help you prepare for emergencies. Wrap a piece of duct tape around your water bottle. You'll barely notice it's there, but if a piece of gear breaks or gets a tear on the trail, you can pull off your tape to make a quick patch or repair. It's a mini repair kit you'll be glad to have. For more fun ideas, easy how-tos, and inspiring stories, visit llbean.com guide. Welcome to episode number 278 of the RV Miles podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two full-time RVers who, along with our three boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, have been crisscrossing North America on one epic road trip since 2016. Here at RV Miles, we talk all things RV and outdoors, from industry news to travel destinations and journeys, our national parks, and so much more. It is Memorial Day weekend, the official kickoff to camping. I don't know who makes it official, but... <laughs> People say that Memorial Day weekend is the official beginning of the camping season. So I hope you're all camping out there. If you can be, well, I would like to take a moment to officially welcome back the mosquitoes to the campground. Ooh, yes, we've <laughs> missed you. We're so glad you're joining us this season. Thank you for biting us up. It's we're great. We're coming to you from the coast of Washington yet again. And literally, we are. Uh, we could throw a rock into the ocean right now. There are uh, plenty of cruise ships going by here, loving watching the tide come up and down and the waves crashing against the rocks. And we're loving watching all the people starting to roll in for Memorial Day weekend camping. Absolutely. And we have enjoyed also being able to view our neighbors over there in Canada. That has yeah. been pretty exciting. We will talk about that in a future episode, but we have already been on the Canadian shore, even though Bexie has not. We did take a day trip over there, which was really quite thrilling. So this is, um, I think, kind of the end of the lower 48 of Baja to Alaska. We're coming up on the last couple weeks. Uh, by June, we will be in Canada. Yeah, I, I just did a double check Ooh. because, yeah, I've talked a few times about how, like, how far I keep looking at a map and seeing how far it is to Alaska. And yeah. uh, from our the sort of southernmost point of our journey in La Paz, in, in Baja, California, yes. we, right where we are now, we are almost exactly halfway to Anchorage, Alaska. And that's not as far as as no, we're, we're going. going. There are so many miles still. We are keeping a close eye on the wildfires that are currently raging through Canada. If you are in that area, we hope that you are safe. Yeah, it seems like there's not a lot of full road closures, but there's a lot of sort of one lane stuff uh, for smoke. And uh, it's a little sticky up there. So Yeah, I mean, they had yeah, smoke as far as Chicago recently and so and further yeah. into the east. So there's a lot going on up there. If you're headed that way, please make sure you're staying fire aware as they continue to battle these 
really horrific and raging wildfires up in Canada. I got a question uh, today that I wanted to answer real quick on the show because I thought it was something that a lot of people ask and might be interesting to a lot of people to hear sort of our take on it. And the, the question was from a prospective RV buyer about the 10-year rule mm-hmm. and how many campgrounds actually have a rule where they don't let you camp there. Let's let's say RV parks because yeah. most campgrounds is not a thing. How many RV parks out there really don't allow you to stay there if your RV is 10 years or older? I think that most RV parks still think that 10 years is 1993. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, so we do not have a 10-year-old RV anymore, but when we had the school bus conversion, we were very conscious of this because we knew not only the bus was the bus older than 10 years, but we knew if a park had the 10-year rule, they probably weren't going to allow a bus in. Yeah, we had a lot of other things to consider with the bus, too. Yeah. And most is whether or not they even allowed a schoolie right. to begin with. When we say 10 years, we are talking about rigs in 2013. Yeah. Which, you know, this time is time is weird. Yeah, yeah. Maybe this is, I don't know, maybe parents when they were our age started to experience time in this way too. But I don't look 10 years, 2013. That to me was just yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah. to think that a rig from 2013 would not be able to go into an RV park is very strange to me. I think uh, it's a tough one because they don't care about the age. Yeah, They want to know what it looks like. Right, right. It, it's mean, sort of a, it, it's a, it's a it. catch-all rule because they can't yeah. say, or it's hard to say, we don't allow junky RVs in. Right. Um, so what they're trying to do is have an easy rule where their folks at the reception desk can see an RV that is much older and not well taken care of, and they can reject that one. And that's sort of a, that's sort of the way it works. Now, it, there are a lot of different things at play here. You'd think this would be a really simple rule, but I, I would say on the whole, nationwide, if you include all the RV parks, that my totally non-scientific experience, <laughs> yeah. about 10% of them have a 10-year rule. Or care um, about or the care. 10-year rule. There, that number gets higher if you want to book a monthly stay. They care a little bit more for monthly stays because sometimes people, monthly stays, that just becomes where they live for years and years, right? So uh, they're going to scrutinize that a little bit more. And 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 that may be, too, where you get the, they actually want to see the age, and it's not about whether it's a junker or not. They want to know the age of the RV. It gets even higher, especially for monthly stays, in the popular winter destinations like Arizona and Florida, there's just they there are more RVers there. They have more ability to be as discerning as they want to be, mm-hmm. right? So, for the most part, if you're somebody that's just going to travel and go to campgrounds, um, not necessarily be a full timer, um, uh, it, it's really not going to come into play much for you at all, as long as your rig is looks fairly decent. It was, you didn't hear it here, but if you have a 2012 or a 2011, you have a 2013. <laughs> but you didn't hear it here. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> like, because honestly, I you could roll in with a, tw- a, a 2009. Yeah. And, they and it say, can look just like, they're all swoops and swirls. Some will say what? it's for insurance reasons. That's, that's a bunch of mm-hmm. BS. If what you can afford is an RV that is older than 10 years old, 
that's absolutely fine, especially if it looks mm-hmm. in good shape. You go out there and camp, you live your best life, and you do that in your rig that works for you. And yeah. we fully support that. Yeah. All right. Speaking of camping and living your best life, we are continuing our series with Recreation.gov. And on this episode, we want to talk about tips for visiting national parks during peak travel season. As Jason mentioned at the top of the show, it is officially the kickoff to camping season. This is the camping season for anyone that's wondering what that official season is really does run from Memorial Day until Labor Day. That sort of summer, all of the kids are out of school. This is when a lot of people are are planning their big vacations. So we want to quickly just go through some tips to help you maximize if you're headed to a national park this summer, just to maximize your time there. This is a fully fleshed out and larger article, which you can find over at rvmiles.com. I will also put it in the show notes at rvmiles.com slash 278. But the first thing, and I think one of the biggest things, if you are going to a national park, especially one of the big popular ones like Yellowstone, Yosemite, Rocky Mountains, you need to keep your expectations realistic. Yeah, these days it it really is like going to an amusement park. There are lots of people wanting to go to these parks. So you have to recognize that there are going to be a lot of people there. It's going to be hard to get into some parking lots and you're going to have to wait in some lines for overlooks and for just getting into the park, all that sort of stuff. You might have to go past an overlook or a hike that you really wanted to do. You're going to sit in a bison traffic jam. You might be in the back during Old Faithful. Be flexible, be fluid, and that will ensure that you do not have a miserable time in such a beautiful space. Speaking of not having miserable times, you need to make sure that whatever park you're going to, you need to know what reservations you need to have in advance, and you need to have those reservations in advance. That means timed entry. A lot of our popular parks now are moving to timed entry during peak daytime hours. Usually that's from 6 a.m. to 5 p.m., 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. Each park is a little bit different. You want to get that timed entry, and then you need to make sure you show up at that timed entry time. They only hold so many every day. So if you're headed to, uh, you want to go to going to the Sun Road, well, you're going to need a timed entry to do that. So really make sure that you understand Uh, what some of the timed entries and lotteries for hikes, things like that. Really do all of that in advance. If for some reason, though, you cannot get a timed entry, a lot of parks also hold day of. They'll hold a certain number of entries for day of, but get there early. They only hold a few. And during peak season, you're not going to be the only one interested. Yeah. Now, the alternative is you can go into a park that has that before the timed entry window starts. If you want to arrive before 6 a.m., sometimes they often seem to end at 3 or 4 o'clock, so that's actually a really good time to to arrive. Oh, we love going into a park later in the day and enjoying a sunset in a national park. And I really want to stress with some of these, I know that the lotteries and the timed entries and the advanced reservations, they all feel so frustrating, but they are not put in place in order to make our lives miserable. It's an attempt to do the opposite. Like I had mentioned, just going to the Sun Road. Well, if we all got on that road at peak season, we wouldn't be going anywhere. Definitely not to the Sun. Like we'd just be sitting there because it'll be packed. Before Arches started their timed entry, and Arches is sort of the the impetus for all of these timed entry things. Before they started their timed entry, Arches was closing down 
entirely to new entries into the park a hundred days a year. At like 9 a.m. Because they just, there's you know, lines, you know, uh, hundreds of cars long. There's nowhere for these people to go and there's nowhere there for them to park. The parks are not going to get bigger. It's not mm. like a Disney World that's going to add in a yeah. new land or new attractions. The, the parks aren't going to get bigger. The The reason you're going to the park is not going to change. That feature is not going to grow so that more people can go there. And so... Having a lottery like for Angels Landing, which is one of the newer hikes to have to go into the lottery system, the number of people on a hike before that lottery system was dangerous, beyond dangerous. It is it is new. It is different. It can it requires a little bit more thinking of us. But in if the end game for all of us is to keep our lands protected, then we want to do whatever we need to do in order for that to be. And one of these is now some of these reservations. And that goes for campgrounds as well. There are still a lot of first come first served, which we talked about last week with the scan and pay option. But there are also ones that need advanced reservations like Watchmen and Zion. It, It would be really hard for you to roll up into Zion and get a spot at the Watchmen. Yeah, you can't. You can't. You, you just, I mean, unless somebody not, doesn't show up. It's just not happening. Yeah. So these are all advanced planning things. But also, I think when you do all of this, it helps you get to know the park even more. And so when the more you know, the better you can be prepared, the more flexible that you can be. And one of the ways you do that is when you're booking that campground reservation, it's sort of this know before you go. They have this um, need to know section. And so this is also really important as well. You're going to want to read all of that and find out exactly what's available to you at the campground, what's available to you at your campsite. You know, is there going to be a dump station there? Will the bathhouses be open? Uh, Is there going to be somewhere if I'm tent camping for me to wash dishes? Will I have electricity at my site? How big is the the site itself? If you go to recreation.gov, like on, on any of the campground pages, they've got like four or five tabs above each above above the information and it has like everything you need to know when does this season open for that campground when do reservations start for that campground because they're all different and the know before you go section has all the sort of details like what what uh, check-in time is what checkout time is uh rv lengths you know sometimes there's individual length limitations for sites but some campgrounds have an overall length limitation because the roads are tight and stuff like that all that stuff is going to be in that know before you go section. So it's really important to get through all that. Yeah. And having all of that information available to you will keep you from having any unwanted surprises when you get to that campground. And again, flexibility, being fluid, keeping expectations low. These next two that we are going to talk about really quick are two that you have probably heard us advocating for years. I mean, if you've been listening since episode one, these are things that we have talked about. And the first one is that you you must, you must, and you should think outside the big parks. Think outside the Grand Canyon. Think outside of Yellowstone and Yosemite. There are so many amazing public land spaces out there that can give you what you're looking for in a particular way that doesn't have to also come with crowds. One of the things that we talk about when people ask us for suggestions for Colorado is Mesa Verde National Park. Go to Mesa Verde, go to the Western Slope, go that way into Colorado. You will 
you will encounter just as many spectacular views and hikes, but you will most likely encounter half of the crowds that you would get if you went to Rocky Mountain National Park. Now, if you're going to go, Abby, Jason, stop it. I'm going to Yellowstone. Okay, here are some ways that we have found or that we suggest for avoiding crowds or minimizing your time with crowds. Uh, stay past the dinner hour. I, I will never stop preaching this. Take your dinner into a park. Find a picnic spot. Have dinner. There is a reason why timed entry stops in the late afternoon. Because everybody leaves. Yeah. Everybody heads back to their campsite or they head out of the park to their hotel or their campground outside the park. Everybody leaves to go have dinner. But if you bring your dinner in, you are there as everyone is exiting out. And we have, when we were in Yellowstone, we did this so often. And it was like having that park all to ourselves. Yeah. And, amazing. and don't count, you know, some of the parks have restaurants within them. Don't necessarily count on them being open for the dinner hour. A lot of them close at like three o'clock. So you might have to bring your dinner in. And a lot of people start arriving at like 10 o'clock. That's, yeah. that's true like anywhere. Any popular like amusement park, anything, everybody starts arriving at 10 o'clock. If you can get there before those people arrive, you're going to have a better chance at parking. And if you can stay later than when they leave, you're going to have so much more to yourself. We were in the Great Smoky Mountains last spring during spring break. So it wasn't summer, but it was spring break there, which is so busy. We were able to drive Cades Cove after the dinner hour, we brought our dinner with us, stopped, ate on the back of the truck in a parking lot. We drove Cades Cove, never had to stop, never had to skip a spot because there wasn't parking. And yeah. if you have ever been to Cades Cove, you know that that is almost totally unheard of. Yeah. It was gorgeous. Yeah, especially this time of year. You've you've got, once the sun goes down late in the uh, day, you've still got time after the sun got, goes down where it's still light outside. Here, way up north here, we it, it's visible outside at like 10 o'clock. We were walking around at 9 o'clock <laughs> last night. We were like, oh my gosh, it's yeah. still yeah. daylight here. Yeah. Uh, finally, for the avoiding of crowds, is just don't forget about our national forests and other public lands. A lot of times, national forests will surround big national parks. I, if you listened to the episode a few uh, weeks back on Yosemite, you know that we did a really great hike that started in a national forest and went into the backcountry of Yosemite. Mm -hmm. We encountered, I think, maybe two people coming off the trail as we were going on, and then we never encountered anyone else. Took us to a spectacular waterfall. Fantastic hike. Really consider what is around that big national park that you want to go to because they will often have the spectacular vistas, the drives, the hikes, the waterfalls, and even the campground. Yeah. Borders are man-made. They're not real. <laughs> Just like bears. <laughs> pretty, pretty nature doesn't stop at the edge of a national park. Borders are man-made. Bears are man-made. Birds aren't real. Stop it. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> and finally, of course, just as a reminder, if you cannot make the trip, please, 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 as soon as you know you can't make the trip, go and cancel all of your reservations. Cancel those timed entries. If you have the lottery, if you have campgrounds, please cancel all of it so that another person can be able to take that spot yeah. and enjoy 
the fact that unfortunately you had to cancel, but you can always start dreaming about the next trip. And to make sure to check out recreation.gov for all the sort of information to know before you go. It's where you're going to get your park reservations and, of course, all your federal campgrounds across the country at recreation.gov. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about making the best out of your travel day. This episode is sponsored by Harvest Hosts, the membership that allows RVers to take a rest from the road and enjoy unlimited overnight stays at over 4,000 unique locations in North America, such as breweries, farms, golf courses, wineries, and much more. Easily plan and book your next RV trip and enjoy over $1,500 in exclusive member benefits by joining Harvest Hosts. Get 15% off your first year of membership with code MILES. That's M-I-L-E-S. Go to HarvestHost.com to become a Harvest Hosts member today and use the promo code MILES. RV Miles is sponsored by the RoadPass Pro suite of travel apps for RVers. We love using all the apps in the RoadPass suite to plan our travels. Togo RV, Road Trippers, OvernightRVParking.com, and Campendium. You get premium access to all of them for $49.99 a year. Find the best campgrounds, the best boondocking sites, the best roadside attractions, and the best routes to get to them all in your RV, tailored for the length and height to get you there safely. Use the code RVMILES10X to get $10 off your RoadPass Pro membership at RoadPass.com. Okay, we're back and we're here to talk about the journey but Abby wants to talk about something else first. Yeah, before we talk about the journey, I want to talk about, actually, I want to talk about a great journey we're going to take yeah. in just a couple of weeks with all of you. And I want to let everyone know that June 6th is a Monday. That is our monthly night live. It's our Monday night live stream. That is usually reserved for mile marker members, but we are opening it up this month in June to the entire RV Miles community. It is an all skate, y'all. Come and join us. It starts at 6 p.m. Pacific, so 7, 8, 9. You can find that on YouTube or on the RV Miles Facebook page. You can watch in those two places please come and join us. We have some big announcements that we're excited to share with you. We are completely revamping Mile Marker members' perks. There are some amazing things coming down the pipeline. We will also have information about our meetup, which is happening October 4th through the 8th in Amana, Iowa. So this is an all skate on the first Monday in June, starting at 6 Pacific, 9 Eastern. We hope you all will come and join us. Okay, let's talk about the journey. We've had a series of great travel days recently, and what has made them great is we've had some planned stops. You know, almost seven years into this now, you know, we've done a lot of travel days, and we plan those travel days less and less over time. It's just sort of like the day before we're going, okay, we're going. Mm -hmm. um, but lately, coming up the coast, uh, and especially traveling with another family, we've done a lot of sort of we want to stop at this place on the way. Yeah, we're with another family, too. We should say that Jamie and Clay are exceptional at travel days. Yeah. Like, doing yeah. things on them. Like, we've always just been like, oh, I just need to get where we're going. And, yeah. you know, we have fun on our travel day and we have things we do, yeah. like, in the truck. But they have really inspired us to stop more, uh, to have interesting laundry experiences well, you, you know and you're gonna stop anyway <laughs> yeah right? i mean some people don't some people are like okay i got 
I got a 900 mile range in this motorhome, and and it's got and a bathroom in it, and we're going. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Buckle but, up. But for us, we're gonna stop every two hours, regardless, in either for bathroom break or fuel or whatever. That's so kind that you think we make it two hours. Yeah, if we not. make it 90 yeah. minutes, we're lucky. So the you know instead of whatever fuel station comes up, instead of whatever rest area comes up, why not? pick out a specific destination that you're going to stop at and do something for a short amount of time so that you actually enjoy the day more. It, your day might get a little longer because of that, but you did something cool on the route. Yeah. And I think too, for full timers, and I think this is going to be a great topic for a future episode. I think that the longer you full time, there is the potential for it to get a little stagnant, uh, to get a little repetitive and mundane and it loses some of that fire that maybe it had in the beginning. And I would say for us, for sure, we had been in a period where things had just kind of gotten a little stagnant for us. We'd been at this now for seven years. Uh, You know, you know, everything is amazing and it looks amazing and you think, oh my gosh, it's so cool to be in this new place. But it kind of it, it lost a little bit of its its shine. Yeah. And so switching things up a little bit for us, like with Baja to Alaska, with uh, getting back into enjoying the journey just as much as the destination, I think, has really offered us um, a renewal as full timers because we used to do this all the time with Bussy. Yeah. I mean, that's how we ended up finding effigy mounds. Yeah. Was we were on a travel day through Iowa and we saw this sign for a national park site that we didn't know anything about. And it was like pulled over, spent this amazing afternoon in this historical site that then became an episode of the America's National Parks podcast. And it just we used to do it all the time. Yeah, a wild episode of that. Probably. Wild. I'll link to that in the show notes. If you have not listened to this episode, that's wild. That <laughs> their stolen artifacts is crazy. But um, it's it's there's there are many options in in doing this, and some of them are about making your travel day better, and some of them can be about making your destination a little bit better by getting stuff out of the way. Like we've talked about recently, we've sort of stopped for laundry on a travel day or stop at a Walmart and get your groceries or whatever grocery Mm -hmm. store and get your groceries uh, on the travel day where you can just, just bring the cart right out into the parking lot, right up to your door of your RV and hand the stuff in. It's not too super convenient, right? But in order to do this, you really want to keep the actual miles you're driving manageable because if you're traveling 500 miles in a day you're just not going to have the time to really stop somewhere and do something with it no absolutely not so the example that we want to talk about uh were two very shorter travel days so when we left at the crater lake area which you're probably wondering hey where's that episode on crater lake well uh newsflash we didn't actually get to go to Crater Lake yeah. while we were there. The weather and then we just weren't feeling well at home. So yeah. we missed it. But anyway, we traveled between Crater Lake and then up to uh, Fort Stevens. And that was over the course of a weekend. And our first destination was we made for a Harvest Hosts. Yeah. So we had this Harvest Hosts in mind. And I would say this. I, I recognize that Harvest Hosts is a sponsor here on the podcast I would say this regardless. I think that Harvest Hosts has also 
become a factor of reigniting journeys for us yeah. because we actually really look forward to maybe leaving a day earlier than when we're supposed to be at our reservation and finding a harvest hosts along the way, be that a museum, a, mostly it's a brewery or a winery, let's be honest. Um, and then enjoying for us what ends up being almost like a date night because we're at a destination and that can be really hard sometimes for parents on the road to find date nights, but we can go to a harvest hosts and we can go to a winery or a brewery and the kids can be safely in the rig, enjoying the Xbox, hanging out. They're old enough now to do that. And we can just be right over in a building, enjoying a couple glasses of wine and spending time together. And we stopped at a harvest hosts in Albany, Oregon and went in and we they had a food truck. We had dinner. That was great. Uh, the kids went back. Jamie Clay, Jason and Abby sat in and chatted away the evening, had some more drinks, played some cards. Um, and then the next morning, we just so happened because we were in a town, we were in this really quaint little area of downtown Albany. We went for a walk while the kids were sleeping along the riverfront yeah. and ended up at this really adorable breakfast place called brick and mortar yeah. and went ahead and decided to have an early morning breakfast just yeah. the two of us and then bring back some pastries to the kids yeah that was so that's unexpected great. but so enjoyable and that's not common all the time with harvest hosts yeah a lot of them are sort of rural if you're going to a winery or a farm they're often on sort of farmland right But this one in particular, this brewery even had in there, we've got biking and walking trails. You should go and explore the downtown. They were really keen to encourage you to explore. What's nice about something like that, too, is that you're pretty much ready to go the next morning. There's no sort of packing up everything because your your rig is just sort of parked and ready to go. So Sunday is where we actually did some decent sort of stops during the actual travel day. And we should mention that on that Saturday in route to the Harvest Hosts was when we stopped at that laundromat that... Oh, yes. where that, you, That's, that's when laundry- we stopped at the laundromat where the 10 guys jumped out of a van and took all the machines. The laundromat where I may never yes. get you to do yeah. laundry again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so we did do it. We did do sort of on that Saturday, we did sort of the the was, necessary stops. Chores. And then chores. Sunday, we did the, the more beautiful stops. On our route up to Astoria, we stopped first at a, at a beach. Along the 101, we stopped at, uh, I hope I say this right, Neskowin Beach, um, if I didn't say that right, I apologize, uh, to see what was called the ghost forest. Unfortunately, the tide had come in enough that we were unable to see essentially what would have been petrified tree trunks. Yeah, that stick up out of the ocean. But that since the tide was high, they were covered. Were discovered, yeah. I think, somewhere around 1997 after a storm had come through. And they are thousands of years old. I mean, think Petrified Forest National Park. Uh, But like Jason said, unfortunately, the tide had come in and we couldn't cross over to get to them to see them. Didn't matter. I mean, it would have been cool. But the, the beach was just, oh, it was so gorgeous. And it was such a nice break from the drive. And you just got out there and, oh, my goodness. And we went as far as, like, the kids played in the sand and stuff. And we just rinsed their... And the water. Used 
used the spray port on the side of the RV to rinse their feet off when we got back. And they went in the rig and changed their clothes because yeah, they, they were put their wet. Swimming suit on like, if they we, if we had we thought about it, we could have put their swimming suit on before they went down. Yep, not just let um, them go down in the clothes that they were wearing. But that's the great thing about having your RV yeah. with you is that it didn't really matter. They just we rinsed them off and then they went inside and changed their clothes. We all got back in the truck and off we went. Yeah. And that was probably, you know, half hour, 45 yeah. minute stop. And uh, all- which is about all you need at a beach that you actually can't like. It's cool enough that you're not going to like sunbathe and you're yeah. not going to swim in the stuff and it's windy. Gorgeous yeah, area, though. Really, so really beautiful. And then beyond that, we kept journeying up the coast and we stopped at. Tillamook Dairy. Yes, we did. Oh my gosh. For like, you know, if you're unaware, Tillamook is, uh, it's also the name of the town, but Tillamook is, is a famous dairy was known for its many, many ice cream flavors that are really wonderful, but they also sell all kinds of different cheese. We bought their cheese many, many times in the past. <laughs> Our kids are big cheese lovers. Um, but uh, after Tillamook though, uh, Jason may not be as big of a dairy lover. <laughs> I, I, I have a little too much. Maybe that's a too, too Til- many well, The thing is, Tillamook is it is really set up for tourists. There's plenty of parking. Yes. It is a big... RV parking, uh, yes. specific it, RV parking. It is a big spot for visitors to go to. You you can do tours of the dairy if you want. We didn't, we didn't do a tour or anything like that. I don't even think they had them on Sundays. But you can go see through glass windows all the dairy operations happening. And there are free samples. I had too, too many, many free samples. You can get <laughs> uh, different types of cheddar. You can get some uh, cheese curds, fresh, right, just right there, fresh, <laughs> brand, brand new off the dairy. And then there's a restaurant where you can get all sorts of things like made with their cheese, cheese like fried cheese curds or hamburgers. <laughs> um, Pizza. And, and then they have an ice cream counter where you can get all sorts of ice cream treats. And that's where the longest line is. That's that's where you're going to wait. And yeah. this is where the kids got to understand why mom and dad like flights, be that flights of beer, flights of wine, flights of coffee. They had flights of ice cream. Flights of ice cream. Brilliant. The kids finally learned what it means when you see the word flight <laughs> in front of something. That was such a, a fun stop. On, on our route and something that we really wanted to do, but we didn't want to spend an overnight there. So we were able to stop, eat, have ice cream, check out the gift shop, get a sticker and move on and move on to our campsite. Now, you know, we were later than we normally arrive that day into a campsite. We were really pushing dusk. Maybe we should have chose one of the two stops. Oh, you know, no. I mean, I wouldn't have changed a thing. (laughs) The only sort of annoyance once we got to Fort Stevens was that we had to deal with Starlink. And we were having, we, you know, that ate up a lot of time trying to figure out how we needed Starlink to work because there was, there was no other service there and the trees, nature, oh, was in our way. Yeah. So how dare dare nature be there? So we had to, that ate up a lot of the setup time and made people grumpy, made us, made you and I grumpy. Uh, The kids were like, whatever. Um, But I still wouldn't have changed that day because we did things that we wouldn't have been able to do otherwise, like if we hadn't stopped. 
And it was nice to break up that drive with, you know, some physical activity and then be like, well, I had some physical activity on the beach. Let's go offset all of that by eating 4,000 calories at Tillamook. Yeah. So this is just for us um, an example of how we would like to encourage you to really look at the route you're on and if there's ways that you can stop and enjoy things. And there are a lot of, of apps out there to help you do that. Obviously, there's road trippers and you've got your Apple and your Google. Well, and, and a part of the reason we wanted to talk about this, too, was that our kids for a while had been really dreading travel days. Yeah. Um, and since we've started stopping at some more places recently, they've even one of them even came to us. Jack came to us and said, I'm really liking travel days lately. Yeah, but let's also throw out there what we do um, at our house now. We had listened to an episode of, uh, which is a great podcast, the Holderness Family mm-hmm. podcast. And they had a woman on there from grownandflown.com. And that's really a website to help uh, and a whole collection of resources to help you with your preteen and teen to help them grow and, and then to fly and and be independent. One of the things that was suggested was really starting to give your kids financial independence and making them more responsible for their snacks that they want, clothes that they want to buy, and giving them not just a budget for, you know, the chores that they do, but giving them that budget that would be for all of those other things. So we start getting our so we've started giving our kids a travel day budget. Yeah, it's basically giving them more allowance but cutting back what you buy for them personally yourself. Right. So they get a very uh, modest travel day allowance, and that is theirs to spend on whatever they would like on on that travel day. And, you know, that has to be either if it's just on uh, one day or we're splitting it up over two days. It's just this is the money. You can spend it on whatever you want. But once it's gone... I, I will not be supplementing a snack for you because you chose to buy uh, a stuffed animal instead. Like if you want a snack, you need to go into the rig and you need to find a snack in there. So that has actually really made travel days more enjoyable for our kids yeah. because they have now, I think, a little bit more autonomy over what we're doing outside of just sitting back there and, and traveling along. Yeah. So... That's why, you know, I mean, I like spending money on travel days. Why wouldn't they? Right. So. Right. Yeah. So they bought their own ice cream at Tillamook when that but, stuff and, wasn't cheap. And Jack, you know what? And Jack wanted, <laughs> those flights ain't cheap. But Jack also wanted mac and cheese. And he, he yeah, purchased it. He could have had, green light he card. could have had free lunch in the RV, but he chose mm-hmm. that he was going to buy mac and cheese. Yeah, just like we stopped yeah. uh, at a, we stopped for lunch recently just in a parking lot, yeah. happened to have a McDonald's. Jack made the decision that he did not want to eat what we were having for lunch in the rig. And instead he walked over to the McDonald's and he ordered himself a meal and he sat in there and he This doesn't sound very positive like <laughs> like we're saying it but we right. but he's learning no, but he is learning that like running, you know, uh, when to save your money and when not to and whether it's it's worthwhile or not to. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I think it's taken away a lot of um just potential arguments yeah, we'll or once it's taken away a lot of once. We'll see how it goes too but like the idea here is that you don't um you don't tell them no you can't do that with your money. You let them make the mistakes. Or the so, successes. Yeah. 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 You know, you, but you let them make the decision. And that has been, that's been hard for one of our kids who is clearly quite the spender. Like he just, he wants all of the things 
And that's been very hard for him to be like, okay, well, you bought this tech deck and it cost you $20 and now you don't have any more money. So no, you you can't get yeah, this but bag you know of what? Dolly That Rangers. kid knows exactly how much money he has at all times. At all times. And that's, he, he's learned that. He, he does. He's very aware of <laughs> down to the penny how much money he has. So that is somehow we also got on a discussion of uh, finances with our kids. But that is sort of our take on the journey versus the destination. If you have had a really great journey and you have had some amazing stops, we would really like to hear about it. And we hope you will come over to the RV Miles Facebook group and share that story with us. Every week we pin this episode into the top of the group so that we can have a conversation there with you about the topics that are covered because we do really want to hear what you have to say. So just head over to the RV Miles Facebook group and join us there. I want to add one pitfall. Oh, I know I know we've no. just transferred. Oh, one, one, I, I that just, was such a I, I know you, you did so good there. But I need to add one thing here because I think this this is there's a pitfall here for people. Oakley dokley. Don't overplan your travel days. No. Don't don't insist like these are must do's don't put things in like we 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 must do these things and they're going to take this amount of time and this is all we have that's a big travel mistake i think a lot of people make where their travel days then become stressful that you have to get to this certain place have some ideas of places that you want to stop that are might do's also make sure that if you're later to your campground that you can actually, you yeah, yeah, <laughs> you get in and it. you can let them know that you're going. Yeah, to so they're not knocking on your door the next morning, accusing you of not well. For the camp, we weren't that late. It was seven o'clock is I a normal time to arrive at a camp. It was not that late. So, all right, you get to transition. Okay, out now <laughs> we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we are going to check the level of our tanks. <laughs> we'll be right back. Chances are you've seen them on the road. That's because Blue Ox designs and manufactures the best towing products in the industry. Just look around. You'll find them on highways and campgrounds and anywhere you find people traveling in the great outdoors. Award-winning tow bars, base plates, and brakes. A full line of weight distributing hitches. Adjustable ball mounts and a new line of fifth wheel hitches. With Blue Ox, towing doesn't have to be a drag. To learn more about how Blue Ox can make your travel adventures even more stress-free, visit BlueOx.com. Have you heard of Park Wolf? It's a game-changing iPhone app for exploring U.S. national parks. Park Wolf's Wildlife Finder makes finding any wildlife species super easy. Park Wolf gives you heat maps and charts of the best places and times in the park to find any species. Park Wolf's free drive GPS Explorer makes exploring the park a breeze by showing upcoming places in the park as you drive, along with distances to the nearest gas station, restrooms, food, and pullover points. You can download Park Wolf for iPhone from the App Store today and start making the most of your national park visit. We are back and it is time to check the level of our tanks sponsored by Matt's RV Reviews Liquefied RV Toilet Treatment, the No BS RV Toilet Treatment. You can find it on our Amazon store at amazon.com slash shop slash RV Miles. Jason, what is in your black tank this week? Uh, I pull my phone out for this one. Ooh, do you need your glasses too so you can read? No, my eyes are not that bad. Are you sure about that? <laughs> so, oh, that's because is... you have giant font now and like enables on your phone. <laughs> it's not that large. So, Camping World um, is the nation's largest RV dealership chain, and um, we've Ooh, bought from here. We go. We've bought from Camping World in the past. Uh, 
didn't have the greatest experience. Other people, many people have had issues with Camping World. Uh, our friends Jamie and Clay bought from Camping World. Several people have had great experiences at Camping World. But overall, Camping World does a lot of negative things for the RV industry. They really, being the largest RV dealership train, they they drive a lot of the quality issues in the RV industry. And in general, they uh, are known for some from for some sales tactics that we're not fans of and uh that's not to say that other dealerships aren't there are definitely other dealerships that it's have just issues, that they're the biggest but and... camping world is 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 not the first dealership we would recommend that you go to unless the rig that you really want is only there um the big issue though is camping world size and getting bigger and bigger and driving more and more and more of the industry. They have several exclusive brands now. We just talked about on the last news video that Eddie Bauer brand is going to be exclusive to Camping World. Um, and Eddie Bauer brand. And that's unfortunate. Um, but what might be happening in the future is even more unfortunate because what Camping World tends to do is poach dealerships that are ripe for the picking. Mm -hmm. um, they take them over. They're, they're on a mission to have a dealership in every state and that's to allow them to sell RVs online easier. Do you think Marcus Lamonas has one of those like state maps that we all have on our yes, RV? And absolutely. every time like, he gets pops it up. Yeah. Every time yeah. one happens in a new state, he gets to put it on his little map in his office. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. totally believe he has one of those. Probably the one you can purchase at Camping World. <laughs> so dealership chains in general, I think a lot of people aren't a fan of. They want to go to the sort of independent smaller dealerships. But we need more dealership chains to compete with Camping World. Yes. Because Camping World can't be all on their own on the top. So we need more of these dealership chains to be able to sort of compete on price and, and fight against them in the market, right? So why are we talking about Camping World? Yeah, why I know. I'm going on and on. So, so so Camping World is uh, <laughs> it just released their uh, quarterly statement. They're providing, you know, new dividends to shareholders, so on and so forth. And in, in that announcement, uh, Marcus Lemonis, who is the CEO of Camping World, said the following. The dealership acquisition landscape remains more robust than I have ever seen. And we believe we can materially grow our business over the next five years, targeting a 50% increase in our store count. So, so what does that, what does that, re, what does he really say? He's saying there? that smaller dealerships are having problems right now. And it's really easy to go and offer them a check and yeah. kick them out of the business. Yeah, it might sound like yeah. what he's saying is really great. Like, yeah. oh, wow, you know, oh, yeah. okay, they're, the industry's doing yeah. good. Camping World's going to grow. It's basically no. Camping World can weather the storm that the industry is going yes. through right now. And they a lot of these independent dealerships cannot. So let's go buy up more of them. And if and Camping World has been known to, if you don't sell, they build a dealership across the street from you. It, it's it's so it can get very shady in if a lot you, of situations if you have never noticed this you will notice it now forever most of the time if there's a camping world there's a smaller mom and pop like right next to it yeah and that is a hundred percent on camping world and that one was usually there first yes <laughs> i do and when we say right next to it it's like the properties border each other i think it's really important that we separate out what is camping world's controlled business decisions 
up against frustration we all feel with manufacturing a yeah, particular to an extent because though camping world tends to only you know just from my perspective as somebody who watches this the types of rigs that they sell are the ones that they can gain the most profit off of yes and, and be quickly produced and are a yeah. lot of entry-level travel trailers they which unfortunately are not well built they don't sell a lot of high-end stuff they don't sell they have their exclusive brands which tend to be all entry level and you know i don't know the financial arrangements that go around those things but uh it, it seems to be that they're trying to sell the stuff that's going to move fast and be the most profitable which isn't always the best quality stuff that they have on their lots and if they Some continue to buy everything up we will continue to see the sale of that particular type of rv happen more and more and more and yeah. more which but, will be more and more and more and more to complaint. your point that's not everything on camping world's lot and i don't want to no. say that they do sell some good products on their lot uh, uh jamie and clay bought their keystone cougar which is a which is a fine brand uh on on the camping world lot it's, that's that is on yes. you the consumer yeah. to do your research yeah. before you walk into a camping world or any dealer but this this comment from Lamonis. It's is... a, the, the biggest, let me just, since we're on this, the biggest thing that Camping World does is is they publish the lowest prices always. So if you're, if you're comparing an RV at one dealership and Camping World and you're seeing their prices online, mm-hmm. it's always the lowest at Camping World and that's what gets you in the door. And then they want to charge you $4,000 for putting a battery in and doing a pre-delivery inspection and and they need that money so that they can fly over the tampa rv show and remind everyone that camping world is there even though they didn't actually go they've got a big budget for flags they have (laughs) have very they have a very big budget for things that they can fly the largest american flags on the road are are you you're if you see one it's usually a camping world and i guess i mean i guess that's you know you know it's a camping world yeah, yes. I mean, but doesn't that feel like so? Uh, this is a conversation for another time. Like we're already an hour into this unedited there, version. There, but... there, there's a, there's a difference in you know flying the American flag and being and, you know showing some pride in your country and using the American flag as a symbol for your business because of its size as yeah. a like this is your advertisement and then and then getting <laughs> mad when. Like a local municipality is like, hey, that's a little. It is a specific tactic that Camping World has taken where their municipalities have rules about the size of flag you can fly, whatever flag it is, because they don't want people flying like their logo over a certain sign. And Camping World has used this as a tactic. They get in these legal battles with municipalities over flying a bigger American flag so that they can get more press about how. The big government's not letting them fly their American flag. And it's just like kind of gross. It's 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 turning from showing patriotism to using patriotism to try to sell you stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Not a fan. Do you think Lamonis is going to listen to this? He's been on a real kick lately (laughs) going after like people on the gram about like anytime they're negative. Like, 
I wonder if he's going to listen to this and then if we're going to get a strongly worded email. Yeah. I hope oh. so. I'd love to talk to him. Maybe we can go on his home renovation show. And Yeah. Do you think if we ever yeah. buy a house, he'll come and renovate it for us? Yeah. That'd be amazing. <laughs> All right. What is in your fresh tank this week? Uh, my fresh tank is the Joseph H. Stewart campground. This is... It you, was a state park. It, it's now a county park. Now it used to be a state park. park. Yeah. This is the park that we stayed at near Crater Lake National Park that we didn't go to. But the campground was lovely, and that's why I wanted to mention it, because it was just sort of your quintessential state parks, county park style campground where you have big sites, lots of space, very, very long driveways to the site. Very paved, long. Paved driveways that were long. I mean, some of them were like 100 feet. And lots of trails, Beautiful uh, bike, trails. bike trails, walking trails, and it's just sort of a lot of no frills, but the kids, plenty of room for the kids to run off to the playground and plenty of room for you to have a campfire or your neighbor have to have a smoky campfire that doesn't oh. bother you. Oh, um, it bothered us. Well, it's it's a little bit that, further away than... Those people with their 700 Look, pieces they of brought a, they brought They brought a okay. tree and a chainsaw, okay? Yeah, it was rough. It was rough that weekend. But part of the reason, we, like I said, we weren't feeling well, but also we were so content there. Sometimes yeah. it's really nice to just sit down and just be in a campground and just enjoy that and the yeah. slow lifestyle of that. And that is really what this campground offered us. So I would absolutely go back. Yeah, yeah, check it out. All right, what's in your black tank this week? Okay, my black tank goes to gale warnings and ferry crossings. Because those two don't go together. <sighs> maybe They're not, go- not maybe a good idea. Yeah. Not, maybe, maybe, because so <laughs> we took this day trip over to Victoria, British Columbia, and uh, it was choppy going there. Everyone seemed okay going there yeah. except Abby who had to go to the stern of the ship and sit outside and stare real hard at the tall mountains in hopes of just leveling things out. Uh, On the way back, when the gale warning had a officially kicked in yeah at first we were like oh this is oh, we it's, it's great it's a lot better than it was this, this morning game. and we like, started playing cards that was, a, little, some, that was had, a joke yeah that was a joke we don't like had our glasses of wine and we were like okay we're gonna play some cards the kids were all settled and the next thing we know it's like glasses sliding one way cards then they all slide the other way and it was like okay so not good this is not good anymore yeah. and we're only about 15 minutes into this 90 minute boat ride um, I ended up, and this is on drama, I mean, y'all, this is like Abby took her meds. I had to go sit back outside. Clay had to join me this time. We're both staring very hard to just level ourselves out. You were staying with Henry mm-hmm. in the middle of the boat, which I argue was, it did not matter where you went on this particular boat. There was no escaping. It, it, it was, it was, I, cause, and I walked back and forth between checking yeah. on you and, and there. And I, and I actually twisted my ankle. Yes. Trying to stand up. That's how much this giant, but very, very large. Very large. I mean, this is a rocking. ferry yeah. that will take your RV and your car. Yeah. There, and there are big... semi trucks on this. Yes. Ferry. Okay. Yeah. So we weren't on like a teeny tiny little, like what you would take, you know, if you were going over to San Francisco from uh, yeah. Marin. Um, I didn't, I just, I thought, 
I'm not going to make it. Like this yeah. is this is where it ends for me is here <laughs> in between Canada and the United States. Yeah. Uh it was it was rough. And we had debated whether or not we were going to go that day or the the, the following. That was the better was of better. the two options. Yeah. And why I'm black tanking this is because it's not this weather. You know, it's like it's what it's supposed to do. And it's certainly not the captain's fault. And it's certainly no one's fault. I, if this had been Abby 20 years ago, I would have been drinking. I would have been playing cards. I would have been having a great time. Abby, now, I can't. No, I can't. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. Like, motion sickness is something that seems to get worse with age. It's sure. just, it's like yeah. we don't have enough things to remind us that we're getting yeah. older. Let's also make sure you get sick more yeah. often. Or twist your ankle standing up. Ankle. Yeah. yeah. Poor Jason. Walking. I know. And you just hobble. Then you had to hobble all the way to the truck. Like when we got back. No, yeah. It was a walk to the truck. And it was a couple. Uh, you, I think oh, yeah, we had to go through customs oh yeah we had to yeah. go through customs i think it was it was a couple of days before you were walking it, you just yesterday hurts. yeah but yeah i just if if you are like abby and you are somewhat prone to motion sickness seasickness you don't get your sea legs easily it's uh take it from me i'm here to do the things you shouldn't don't get don't do a 90 minute ferry crossing to another country and a gale warning it's just not a good idea. <laughs> All right. What's in your fresh tank? <laughs> so my fresh tank is this video that you can see over on rpmiles.com of dash cam footage in Michigan, because pure Michigan, of a cow that got loose on the highway being lassoed by a cowboy. And it is... There are sometimes you forget that there are things that can happen on the highway that you just did not plan for that day. And I don't think anybody on that highway planned for a runaway cow with a cowboy on a horse. Yeah. Running up beside it, lassoing it like a pro. I also put that video in this week's uh, news video. Oh, did you? Okay. It's, it's, I've got a little update on it too that that cow was missing for a couple weeks. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow! And uh, and they finally found it, like running across the highway. I mean, there's playing in traffic. It was like it was so small, like a you know, like a uh, like say, a calf. It's not, it's not a calf, but it's sort of like there's probably a name for like a well, oh, well, a preteen. A pre-teen. <laughs> it's a it's a tweeny cow. Um, but it is it's impressive. The cow was fine. Everybody on the highway was fine. Uh, the cowboy was awesome. Um. It's it's just one of those videos where you kind of have to see it, to believe it, and uh, mad skills. I honestly, too, not something I would have expected in Michigan. I mean, pure Michigan, sure. Is it pure Michigan? Are cowboys in Michigan pure Michigan? Because it feels more like I would expect to see that in Oklahoma, Texas. Sure. There's there's cattle throughout the Midwest. I know there's sure. cattle. <laughs> But like this Someone's guy, wrangle him. this guy was dressed to the nines too. He had well, cowboy hat on. You know, had the like thing the thing is too, like to ride mean. your horse out into traffic. Like I know there were cops behind him, like trying to wrangle traffic. Yes, but he's riding his horse out into traffic to lasso this this cow without looking back. Oh. He's he's he just worried. got his eye on the prize. He worried. <laughs> he gotta go get that cow. It is probably a prize. He's like, this is a lot of money. Yeah. I need my cow. Yeah, 
I just, I, it's awesome. Go watch it. It's it's a great little watch. Um, we'll put it in the show notes, rvmiles.com slash 278. All right, let's uh, wrap this episode up. Yeah, woo, this was a doozy. It ended up being way longer than we thought it was going to be. But thank you so much for sticking with us. Thank you so much for continuing to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave RV Miles that five-star review. It is making a world of difference. And of course, we hope you will join us on Monday, June 5th for the monthly night live all skate. Please come over and join us and learn about some of the exciting announcements that we have. Plus, it's an hour to just chat with Jason and I. We would love to see you there. All right, folks, thank you so much for joining us this week. Enjoy the official kickoff to the camping season. Stay healthy, stay safe out there on the roads and keep logging those RV miles. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.